everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am Jeff, one of your co-hosts as usual. Also joining me as usual, the other part of the show, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, how you doing, my friend? Wait a minute. We're talking about baseball history this time? Just this time. We're going to... Okay. All right. I'm, I'm sort of prepared, but uh, I was ready to talk about the history of badminton. Huh? Wait, um, wait we'll do that another time. Yeah, wait, wait till you, I mean, I've got some badminton sprinkled in here as well. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. as long as we're, because it's it's very important to me for some reason that I just made up. The, if you're looking for rap in this episode, there is none planned. No, we're, we're rap free this week. That was, yeah. yeah, that was all last week in the Get Mets for Eyes fit. Yeah, uh, we've got some, uh, some other things to talk about today. It is real baseball history. Like we're going all the way back. But we're also coming all the way to today, so we'll stick to the baseball history moniker this week for sure. Okay. But before we do, Mark, as we always do, we need to we need to stretch out and get ready. I don't know. I don't know about you, Mark, but I love BP. If I'm not working a game, if I'm going to a game, I like to get there early and watch BP. It's one of my favorite things. I don't know about yeah. you. Well, for me, it depends on who's who's going to be taking their swings. I used to love to go watch Ichiro. Back in the day, I used to go like to go watch like the big sluggers of the nineties and yeah, man. That stuff. I remember ninety eight when McGuire or Sosa would roll around into Atlanta. It was like, I mean, it was the the crowd was like three quarters of the way there and just <laughs> ooing and awing. I mean, it was a show. It was it was the show before the show. It was part of the it was part of the reason you came to the game. Yeah, it really was. That was a fun environment. Way back when I was young. Back when the game was good. And that also kind of ties in with today. Back in my day, the game was so much better. Oh, no, you're not going to be curmudgeonly, are you? No. Oh, okay. I'm not going to be, but I am going to complain about people complaining. But we'll uh-huh. get to we'll get to all that later because we got to we got to first we got to warm up here. So Something very historical did happen last week that uh, I'm not going to complain about. That's for sure. We try not to complain too much. But Shohei Otani last week became the first starting pitcher to bat in the top four spots in a game since September 20th, 1919. It happened in Fenway Park, which just so happens that was the last place that it happened as well back in 1919 when Babe Ruth did it. So Otani, a long time ago, Jeff. Yeah, I know. That was, that was what you were like 17, 18. Yeah, it was yeah. probably, yeah, it was probably my senior year of high school. Yeah. Your third or fourth senior year. I don't remember. Yeah. I mean, I'm no dummy. I spent seven or eight years learning in high school. So Otani threw seven scoreless innings at Fenway. He struck out 11 in the Angels eight to nothing victory over the Red Sox. He was hitting third and uh, he was starting, as I mentioned, the showstopper. I'm going to try to get that to stick as his nickname, the show Stapa, and he's going to come out to, to HBK's music. Oh, nice. See, yes, I think this should go. be a thing. I think this it would be really cool to, to have him walk out to that. But he went two for four from the plate. He got an RBI single in the eighth. He threw 99 pitches, 81 of which were strikes. That's a wow. lot of strikes. It's just going after him right there. Yeah, and they're not able to hit it. He struck out 11. Like I mentioned, this was in Fenway. It was in Boston where it happened last over 100 years ago. <laughs> Otani, I, boy, the, I like the Angels. I like to watch them. 
Well, two two people in particular, but well, yeah. I was thinking the other day how unfair it is for them to have both Trout and Otani healthy. But it's sure fun to watch. Yeah, they've got some other players that are fun to watch, too. I'm not a big Anthony Rendon fan, but uh, and I think Joe Adele's been sent back down if he ever yeah. gets good. <laughs> like he's, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, that was kind of a bummer. He's the Jared Kelnick of the Angels, I guess. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, they've got Walsh and they've, and they've got some, some, good, some good guys there. Uh, this was an interesting question I saw, Mark. I wanted to get your your response here, maybe some of our listeners. The question was posed, if you were offered a million dollars to be a fan of your most hated team, would you do it? I don't know, a million dollars is a lot of money. <laughs> well, no. Well, this is what I wrote down. I wrote down a million dollars is not a lot of money today. Uh, well, it would be to me. Well, yeah, I mean, sure. I, I'm not going <laughs> to turn my back on it. If somebody offers me a million dollars, odds are I'm going to take it regardless of what the uh, attached uh, problems are that come with it. Well, this is my thing. If it's for a season, yeah, I'm thinking that I could definitely do. But a million dollars for the rest of my life to be a fan of a team I don't like and have to root for them, I don't know if I could do that. I don't yeah, even know who who is my most hated team. I know who yours is. Yeah, that's easy. I don't hate any team right now. I don't even hate the Astros that much because most of the cheaters are gone. Uh, yeah. And Jordan Alvarez, I really, really enjoy. And and Pena, their their shortstop, I really yeah, like. Yeah, he's solid. Yeah, he's fun to watch. Yeah, so I, so for me, yeah, I, my answer is yes because I don't hate any team. There's teams I find extremely boring to watch. I mean, then I'd have to think about it. But I, it varies from day to day who my most hated team is. I understand that. I, I, I tell you what, as I sit here thinking about it, I'm like, I'm, I'm going, man, I don't know uh, if I could pull it off and be and, and look like I really care. I mean, that's the tough part about it is actually looking like you care when deep down inside is killing you to root for your whatever team you choose to hate so much. Yeah. See, this is a very cathartic year for me because I know the A's are awful and I'm not expecting anything from them. So, you know, they played the Twins last weekend. They were down two to one in the in the ninth inning. They had the bases loaded, nobody out, and they did not push a run across. Didn't phase me. Went on with my nights. <laughs> the next day, they lost one to nothing. Nothing. Last year, previous years, that would have really set me back for a couple hours. I'd be a little angry. Nah, just rolls yeah. off my back. I love it. I think it's very healthy. <laughs> it probably is good for your mental health. Oh, sure. I think I really do think it is. I don't know that I hate any team right now, though, because I just expect everybody to beat the A's. So it's like, eh, yeah, you, you did you, you did something against my team. All right. So uh, this show is debuting on May 10th. I got a couple of names here that made their debut sometime in the history of baseball on May 10th. First of all, in 1909, Ham Peterson took the oh, field the first time. Good old Ham. Ham Peterson. He was a first base left fielder. He only played that one year. Split time between the St. Louis Browns and the Chicago White Sox. Now, nothing really to note of Ham. He did not... He didn't play much. He didn't hit at all. But uh, the name Ham really got me. That was one I hadn't seen before. So I had to know, was he a big dude? Did he did he like pork? Was he Jewish? And this was just one of those nicknames where you call a tall guy stumpy. 
I, I wanted to know what this was. So, okay. I, so I looked, none of these are the answer. His name is Hamilton Peterson. So they just shortened it to ham or the great Hambino. There you go. <laughs> like <laughs> why is Hamilton, you know, the musical probably would have been even more successful had it just been ham exclamation <laughs> point. Well, why wouldn't you go somewhere where there's ham? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm curious. Could, uh, you know, was he a fastball hitter? Like could ham hit the cheese? <laughs> and was he fast? Because ham, you know, you don't think of pigs as being particularly quick, but he didn't play enough to really give us a full view of his uh, his skill set. I've got another name that I'm going to save for last, and I'm going to ask you a question. So my my final name here that I'm not skipping, 1982, Willie McGee made his debut for the St. Louis Cardinals. First round draft pick of the New York Yankees your new favorite team in 1977. Wait, where's my million dollars again? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, you have to do it for a full season before it hits your bank account. That's the, the caveat. 1985, National League MVP, career 295 hitter. He had a 333 career on base percentage, 352 stolen bases. He was a batting champ twice, three times he won a gold glove, and he had one hell of a game against the Cubs on June 23rd, 1984, on NBC's Game of the Week, only to be overshadowed by, of course, Ryan Sandberg and the Sandberg game. Which we discussed, and you can go ahead and go back in our history and find the Sandberg game. It's very interesting. Yeah. We did a good uh, good show recapping that game. Uh, also, 1995, uh, Willie apparently played for the Red Sox for the entire season. I have wow, I, don't, I have no don't recollection that. of that. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> no, I wow. remember he played for the Giants. I remember that. Uh, but no, no Red Sox recollection for Willie McGee. All right, <laughs> final debut for May 10th. I'm going to give you a name. And I want to see if I'm going to give you a 20 year window and see if you can guess when this guy made his debut. Oh, I thought you were going to give me 20 years to answer. I'm like, oh, well, wow, all right, this is this. I can think of it by 20 well, years. Well, we're like three and a half years into the podcast. So I'm not yeah. sure I have that much. <laughs> uh, all right, here we go. Gar Finvold. Gar Finvold. He's out um, of the Swedish league. Yeah, obviously. Uh, let's go with, uh, 18. No, let's go with 1935. See that, that was kind of what I was thinking when I heard the name Gar Finvold. It seems like he probably had a, a farm accident, you know, at some point in his career, uh, that maimed him, but no, Gar Finvold made his debut in 1994. For the okay. Boston Red Sox. <laughs> so close. He might have, you know, he might have been in spring training the next year with Willie McGee uh, there yeah. in, with the Red Sox. But uh, he played only one year. It was for the Red Sox. Eight games. He's a pitcher. 0-4 mark and uh, currently sells real estate in Delray Beach, Florida. Very nice. Anybody lives in Delray Beach, Florida, tell them we said hi, all right? Yeah, it was uh, it was kind of a rough uh, time in the majors for him. Like I said, only eight games, 36 innings, 15 walks, 17 strikeouts. That'll kind of do it to you. Three hit by uh, three hit batters, uh, 24 runs in 36 innings, 45 hits, a FIP of 511 and a whip of 1.6. This is uh, as a starter. So yeah, whip of one point six ain't gonna get you nowhere. Yeah, I can I can see how he uh, didn't stick. He didn't get <laughs> another chance though either. But 
Hey, neither of us ever got there. Yeah, he's got uh, he's got a lot more major league time than we do. After that season, uh, he spent the next year in Pawtucket and did not fare well, and then he was out of baseball. But he's got a great name. Yeah, he he really does. And speaking of great names, uh, it's time for a very abbreviated Lars Newtbar update, <laughs> <laughs> and yes. uh, that would be because uh, Lars is still down in Memphis. Uh, eight games down there. He's got six hits. He's hitting 207. His uh, on base is uh, 333. And uh, yeah. All right. So that's going to do it for our debuts. That'll also do it for our BP segment. And uh, let's just jump right in here. I've got to get something off my chest, Mark. All right. Here we uh, go. I've had about enough here on this podcast. We like to look, we like to talk about the fun, the enjoyment that we get out of our favorite sport. That, of course, being NBA basketball. Wait. What? No, just just kidding. Wait, wait, hold on. Yeah. What? I, no, no, I forgot. Basketball sucks. Never mind. Uh, but <laughs> seriously, in the past, people have joked how you know they just they don't like to watch games that John Smoltz is calling because he seemingly hates the game. Right. Uh, I was among these. I don't particularly like listening to to John Smoltz, but uh, fortunately, as an A's fan, my team is very, very, very rarely on a national broadcast, so I never really had to worry about it. Well, that was a fun joke when it was the exception. Unfortunately, it seems to be the rule now. You literally cannot go on any form of social media and look for any baseball content without it just being a bunch of boomers complaining about how much better the game used to be. Well, this is nothing new. It's always been that way. There just wasn't the ability for everybody and their uncle's wet nurse to give their opinion in a public forum about baseball. It used to be limited to reporters, announcers, and the very few who had their own baseball history podcasts. Yes, it was, it was not a whole lot of them when they were on vinyl. Yeah, very, very, very limited. But now everybody has opinions that they can share with the rest of the world. So there are a couple of subjects that continually come up that I'm seeing that I would like to address. And I'm, I'm getting triggered by them. And that's why I just want to address them here. And they do have to do with baseball history. First of all, this is a short one, and this is just from me. If you are not an A's fan, you more than likely have no understanding of what is going on with the stadium, the owner, and the fans. So enough with the move the team if nobody goes to game stuff. That's all I'm going to say about it because it is an actually a pretty complicated issue. It would take some time to explain, and it's really not very entertaining, and it's sad. But seriously, it is sad. Yeah, if you're if you're sitting in on the East Coast and all you see are Twitter posts about empty seats in Oakland and moving to Vegas, you know nothing. Trust me about this, and I I don't mean that as a mean thing. I'm an A's fan. I'm a former season ticket holder. I would love to be a current season ticket holder. I I can tell you a whole bunch of stuff if you want to talk somewhere else. Next, a little bit more fun topic: team name changes. I never knew how many Cleveland baseball fans there were all over who were so invested in the team name. <laughs> Out of the woodwork now, yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm not sure why everybody is so upset about this name change. What, did they have the same uproar when they were called the Naps, the Bronchos, the Bluebirds, the Lake Shores, the Rippers? Don't even get me started on the Garden Cities. I mean, yes, these people complaining were not around then, but it's not like this name is some set in stone thing. The same people, are they upset when the Highlanders changed their name to the Yankees? 
or the Americans became the Red Sox. We've talked about all these names. What about when the Devil Rays became the Rays? I really don't remember. I mean, that's the, the before the Guardians, that was the most recent name change. Do you remember anything about anybody being upset when that happened? No, I, I can't say that I that I did uh, have a problem with it or never talked to anyone that went, are you kidding me? They're dropping the devil out of devil race. <laughs> and you know, I heard rumors that it was because of some church groups that they changed. I don't think that is really it, but still, I mean, nobody was up in arms about this. No. Now, uh, do you remember how many different names the Dodgers have been called? They've been uh, historically, yeah. Yeah, they've been called nine other things. Now, I will admit I would have been upset if I was around when they changed from the Superbas to the Dodgers because we've gone over what the Superbas meant and I thought it was really cool and I love the name. If the Mariners changed their name to Pilots tomorrow, would the, would there be an uproar? Uh, you know, you get the typical, oh no, this is horrible until, you know, everybody got used to it and then no one would care. Yeah, which is probably what's going to happen with Cleveland. But exactly. The Guardians thing has also become a political issue. It's, yes, it, it really has. And it, there's a simple there's a, a simple line you can draw where, you know, who's going to be on either side of this issue. Regardless, no amount of complaining is going to bring back the old name. So stop posting about it. You're not there's nothing you're not doing anything. Uh, the other thing that everybody is complaining about are rule changes. Yes, baseball is changing, but it has always been changing. Remember before 1947 when black people weren't even allowed to play on the same field? <laughs> I don't remember that, but I, I am getting your drift here. That, remember when there was no such thing as a designated hitter in either league? Remember when a game-winning RBI was a thing? I'm actually still pretty mad about that because I, I, I love the game-winning RBI. Give me a good game-winning RBI and I'm happy. How about when wearing numbers on a jersey was not a thing because players didn't want fans to be able to tell who was who? That's a, <laughs> that, that harkens back to episode number one. So I thought it would be fun to go over some of the rules that have changed over the years. We talk about, we've done a couple of shows as the rules change year to year here in the present, but I want to go all the way back. All that being said, I can guarantee you that in 30 years, the same people complaining about the game today will be saying things like, remember when somebody hit a home run back in the day and would bring a bell or get a ride in a laundry hamper instead of taking a lap around the warning track, giving high fives a la Cal Ripken while wearing a showgirl outfit on a unicycle? It was so much better back then. <laughs> it's going to be the same people. They're going to be this will be the golden age to them, even though they're complaining. So here are a couple of very early rules I wanted to talk about. This is by no means all the rule changes, just some that caught my attention. All right, 1858, social media's early years, 1858. Just yeah. Twitter, just a couple of people on, on Twitter at this point. Wasn't uh, social media just like writing stuff on paper and throwing it in the wind? It was, I, you I wrote, wrote on chalk on the, uh, on the sidewalk, <laughs> and people oh, would walk oh, by yeah. and read it. I remember yeah. that now. The base runner is no longer required to touch each base in order. I'm going to recreate a radio call here. There's a shot in the gap. Phillips is heading to second. I mean directly to second. Where will he go next? Wait, he's going back home. That's two bases, a double to start off the inning. Boy, he's really going to need to take a good lead off the plate to give the next batter room to swing. <laughs> I mean, this is a, a good... <laughs> This is a this was a change too because apparently you did have to run it in order. But in 1858, they decided you go where you want. 
<laughs> so, that is absolutely nuts. Yeah, I'm still a big uproar when this changed. Uh, <laughs> now, there was also a push, legitimate at one point, to let the first batter of each inning determine which way the team would run the bases that inning. So oh, wow. if a right-handed batter got a hit and he was the first one to reach base, he could go to third first. And for the rest of the half inning, the rest of his teammates would have to go clockwise. I do not hate this idea at all. <laughs> it would add a whole new dimension to the game. Let it me say. Just imagine this. As an infielder, you would have to be very versatile. Or you're just switching. Like Once they decide we're going this way, maybe everybody switches sides of the field. But you might not have first baseman's glove. If you can't switch, you got to be able to play third or first or short or second. Uh, if there's a lefty on the mound, I might, as a right-hander, choose to run to third because then it's a bit easier to steal second. I mean, there's some there's some serious things that you could, uh, you know, strategy-wise that you could really do if this was ever implemented. I don't think you should give Manfred any ideas. I I don't know. I'm all for this one. <laughs> Uh, here's another one. Balls caught after one bounce, no longer considered an out. So I remember that. Yeah, we've talked about this before, that if you caught the ball after one bounce, it's just like catching it on the fly. Just imagine if that was still in play, the 1,000 hit plateau might be the like automatic mark to get into the Hall of Fame. No doubt about it. And then no more fly balls, man. You, everything is concentrated on fly balls and, and uh, hit angle and stuff. Not, not under those rules. Uh, you want fly ball pitchers at that point because. Right. <laughs> and maybe you just move a fourth outfielder out there. Sure. And yeah. I, I Hit mean, it on the ground, baby. Yeah. Bunting might really come back into, into yeah, really. vogue then. How many hits, though, does Pete Rose or Ichiro or Tony Gwynn have if that was the case? I would, uh, I would be 17. really interested. I mean, there's no way unless you went back and watched all of their games and their at-bats. Be interested to know how many balls those players hit that were caught after one bounce that would be considered an out versus the hit that they were credited with. Yeah, it'd be a little bit different. Yeah. 1877, moving on. Base on balls reduced from nine to eight balls. Oh, I remember that happened. Boy, there was a serious uproar. Front headlines in the sports page. People, you got to be kidding me! Protesting I thought we at, wanted more offense. Oh my gosh, it went nuts. Protesting outside the fields, picketing, uh, marching, and yeah. At this point, remember, you couldn't just call for an intentional walk. So the pace of play really took a hit when you right. had to throw eight wide ones to put somebody on base. I think I remember they had a very unique chant. I think it was something no one had ever done before. Ever it was a hey hey ho ho. The eight pitch walk has got to go. <laughs> <laughs> and just think of the think of uh, Major League. Bob Uecker would have had to say, "Ball eight, ball sixteen, ball no. twenty four. Vaughn has walked the bases loaded." <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little tougher to do. Yeah, uh, we've talked about the pitcher pitching from flat ground before. Uh, also, they had to pitch underhand, and they had to throw to the location that the batter called for. Now, yes. I would love to have seen Bob Gibson or Nolan Ryan or Madison Bumgardner being ordered by the batter where to throw a pitch. <laughs> I don't think that would go over well I, with most guys. I can see Nolan Ryan. I got your pitch right here. <laughs> Here's a bow tie. Right. Congrats. Sorry I was aiming for there. Yes. <laughs> All right. 1885. Home base can be made of whitened rubber or marble. <laughs> Oh, man, that's got broken ankles all over it. 
Now, what they're not telling you is this is actually a holdover from when the Romans actually invented baseball in uh, 42 B.C. I have never heard of this before. And what were they made of before when they said, well, (laughs) you can make it out of marble if you want. It seems a little (laughs) pricey to me. What were they making it out of before? Onyx? (laughs) This was uh, beyond being clearly a dangerous material to slide into. Wouldn't shale or uh, where I don't know where my geologist at. What other rock might have been quartz geodes like what what are you making this out of plus if you smack into geodes you're going to create nice little crystal type things and adds another dimension but think of that you can get those authenticated by the major league authenticator right there Mm -hmm. and sell them as game used geodes geodes. (laughs) but marble that just that just it still makes me laugh just looking at the word that somebody (laughs) had a marble home plate and they're like yeah that's good let's go batter up all right, 1887, base on balls count as hits. <laughs> Man, I would have been the greatest little league hitter of all time. You know, Eddie Goodell, would oh, have, wow. he would have had a long career. It would not have been a stunt. But this is the thing. I went and did some math, right? Ricky Henderson, he ends up with 5,245 hits, <laughs> a 479 <laughs> lifetime average, if that is the case. Barry Bonds who overtook Ricky Anderson for the most walks in baseball history, he ends up with 5,493 hits and a 558 lifetime average. <laughs> oh, that's, that, well, yeah, I'm glad they took that rule out. That's a little much. Yeah, so, of course, I picked those two because they've walked more than anybody else. But I did also look up Ty Cobb, who has the highest lifetime average at 366, Added his walks to it, he ends up with 5,438 hits, an average of 475, which is four points behind Ricky and 75 behind Bonds. <laughs> wow. You know, it was interesting looking that up. Since the uh, since MLB has officially uh, adopted Negro League stats as Major League stats, mm-hmm. technically Ty Cobb is no longer the career average leader. He's third behind Josh Gibson. And I do not remember who the second player is, but it was another Negro League player. Well, that's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, a lot f- less uh, at-bats. But sure. uh, because of that, that does show up if you do a search there. Uh, let's see. The next year in 1888, four balls for a walk. It was brought down from eight to four and no longer counted as a hit. I think pace of game uh, probably improved. Yeah. But just, I mean, it's interesting. 30 plus years baseball was played where you needed more than four balls to, to get a walk. Yeah. So it was it was not just an experiment over a couple of years. But again, one of those things, baseball's always changing. It wasn't until 1888 that the current walk amount of balls was uh, was put in place. Huh. 1901, catchers were compelled to remain continuously under the bat or, as you know, essentially in the catcher's box right behind the batter. Now, my question here is what compelled them? <laughs> you, did the ump have a gun or something? Maybe the catcher's family was being held hostage somewhere offsite. The catcher is forced to remain there lest their family, you know, something bad right, yeah. befall them. I tell you what, I don't like being compelled to do anything. I don't, but, uh, it's just, just like Marvel home plates, the word compel is what really got me there. 1917, spitballs out loud. Now, for almost a century, 
anything you could haul out to the mound with you, you could put on the ball and throw it. I think 1917, that was Gaylord Perry's rookie season, which is how he was grandfathered in. Down the right, yeah. right. But uh, again, major rule change right there. 1925, the minimum home run distance was set to 250 feet. <laughs> wow. So this is the situation where some stadium obviously had a fest had a fence less than 250 feet. Just like when you see a sign in an aquarium that says, do not feed bananas to the starfish. Somebody <laughs> had to do something that warranted that sign being made, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> so I'm guessing that it was probably the polo grounds, which was yeah. around, they had around 225, I think at one point down the left field line. The Coliseum in, in Los Angeles, when the angels moved there, or no, was it, I think it was actually the Dodgers when they first moved there before Dodger Stadium. They had that huge net in left field because the, the stands were like 200 feet from home plate. <laughs> and it was a double. If you like, I'm not sure you could even homer to left field. Again, another rule. 1961, big rule change, expansion. It's a rule mm-hmm. change. Seattle could not have been disappointed by two different teams if not for this rule. That's right. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Uh, 1969, a rule that was changed because of one man and one man only almost. The pitcher's mound lowered Mm -hmm. from 15 inches to the current 10 inches. Now, Mark, you have talked extensively about Bob Gibson, 1968. He went 22 and 9, a 1.12 ERA, 268 strikeouts, 13 shutouts, a 258 ERA plus. Now, (laughs) it's hard to think that any other person could have single-handedly forced this change as he was 158% better than the league average. Oh my gosh. Wow, that's looking at it in a very unique perspective. That's impressive. So take a league average pitcher that year, right? You've yeah. got to have two of them standing, you know, one on top of the other, and then half of another one throwing a baseball to equal one of Bob Gibson. Although wow. I don't think that would be very effective. I, I remember I probably told this story, but when I actually had a chance to meet Bob Gibson, that's exactly what I asked him about. I said, you know, I, I told my friend here that uh, they changed the rules because you were just getting everybody out. And he said, uh, yeah, and I said, they lowered the mound. And he said, they sure did. Made me mad, too. <laughs> Why would I want to make him mad? I wouldn't. Well, I'm not even done with Bob Gibson yet. A couple of other stats from that year. He had a 1.77 FIP and a 0.853 whip as a starter. <laughs> now remember what did what did we say Garfinvold's whip was? It was like 1.6. That yes. that's half of what Bob Gibson's was. Or Bob Gibson's yeah. was half of that. So wow. He threw 304 innings. And don't forget, at one time, another major rule change, there was no mound at all for the pitchers. They mm-hmm. delivered from flat ground. Some of these rules have just swung so widely in terms of how they've changed. This is nothing new what we're dealing with these days. A couple of more. 1971, all major league players were ordered to wear protective helmets. I mention this just because Pete Alonso would have died twice this season alone if not for this one. Yeah. 1975, free agency. You did a story about Kurt Flood, Mark. Yes, yeah. If not for Kurt Flood, Edwin Jackson might have only played for seven or eight teams instead of the 14 that he ended (laughs) up on. Some other things to mention, single season home run records, 162 games in a season since 1961. 
That wasn't always the case. Obviously, people argued that Roger Maris, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds should all have asterisks by their names mm-hmm. because when they broke Babe's mark, Babe was, wasn't playing in 162 games. He played in 155, which I right. don't understand the odd number. 154, I thought. I thought it was too, but then I went and looked at the season records, 155. <laughs> Huh. Lou Gehrig, games played, 155, 155, 155. That's odd. Huh. Yeah. We're going to, I think we're going to have to look into that because yeah, I, I, think so too. I didn't, I, I thought it was 154 as well. I, huh. Lou, Lou Gehrig played every game. So, okay. <laughs> and their record equals 155 if you add them up and there was no tiebreaker. So, well, let's look into that. Uh, have we talked about soaking the base runner before? Yes, uh, I'm glad we don't do that rule anymore. Yeah, sometimes called plugging. It was a way to put a runner out. You just nail them with the ball when they're not on base. Rob Dibble, generally upset when this was changed in 1845. Still a big fan of that. So what I'm getting at here as I complain about people complaining is baseball has always been changing. It will always be changing. Do we need to really start runners on second in extra innings? Probably not, but... Do we really need marble home plates either? Yes, we do. We, we, we need to bring that one back. Baseball's fun. <laughs> Baseball is, is, is a great sport. We love it. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably love it. Life's too short to complain about things you claim to like or love in our case. So everybody, let's just bring some more positivity to the game and to social media. I challenge every listener to post something positive every day about baseball like we do because I'm getting triggered and I do not like that. <laughs> Folks, you don't want to trigger him, let me tell you. You really don't because it's I I do respond and I, I, I always feel like I have to get the last word in, so that's not a good trait. <laughs> we, it's so funny. Uh, Jeff and I are so different when it comes to that that, that, that uh, we I think we crack each other up with, with the way we approach these things. My approach is, oh, that's what you think? Eh, okay. Doesn't affect me. Yeah. It, I, for me, if somebody is an idiot, I want to just make sure they know they're an idiot. And I can't let it go. See, I leave that to people like you. <laughs> and I don't have to do it. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. All right. So that is it. Now I'm going to get off my soapbox. Put it away. I'm going to tr- hopefully <laughs> never get on a soapbox again here. You know, we do complain about things sometimes here on this show, but we really love the sport. We've gotten some really great emails and direct messages, too, from people that have gotten back into baseball, been more interested in baseball because of our podcast, and look at baseball in different ways. And that we love that because that's really what we, we're here to do is to have fun talking about something that is fun for us. So, Absolutely true. Speaking of fun, Mark, it is time for Wax Packs Heroes. All right, yeah, I've been uh, waiting all week. Wax back hero! Gotta pull the wax back hero! This is opening day for us right here. We've, uh, we're getting ready to start season four. Mark is the three-time defending Wax Packs Heroes champion. You have to say it like this. The three-time, three-time, three-time Wax Packs Hero champion. <laughs> well, we have revamped our team. Front oh. office, completely new. I fired everybody, brought in, brought in numbers guys to really, uh, to really uh, upset the boomers. 
<laughs> I brought in a whole bunch of analytical guys. Traded everybody away on the field. It's just my favorite players. If I was a GM, that's just what I would do. I'd just have my favorite players out there. And uh, we're ready to go. Mark, we are going to open once again. I'm in love with these cards because we get some good names out of it. The 2000 tops. Here we've got eight cards in each of these, so we don't have to lose any cards. Let's go over the rules once again because they have changed this season. First of all, anything on the face glasses, eye black. I got a question. Uh, there was a card of somebody blowing uh, some bubble gum in their baseball card. It's on their face. It counts. Uh, this is true. <laughs> Anything. If they've got crumbs like around their mouth from eating a hot dog, it counts. That is a uh, plus 10, <laughs> uh, plus 10th of a point of war. Also, real stirrups. Obviously, you can get a 10th of a point there. Two and ones, you're going to minus a 10th of a point. If you've got sweatbands that have got your jersey number, your caricature, or a, a corporate logo, that's going to be a plus 10th of a point. Any awards you win, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP, All-Star, or Gold Glove, you get a half a point award each for those. Hall of Fame. You're in the Hall of Fame, you get a whole point because you're in the Hall of Fame. Ear flaps on the batting helmet. Two or no ear flaps, you get a tenth of a point. Batting without batting gloves, you get a tenth of a point. If Ricky or Nolan Ryan appear on any of these cards, and Mark, if, if I'm not mistaken, Nolan Ryan was retired by 2000. So this is, this is a, an opportunity for me. It's an automatic five points. Five if it's Ricky for me, five if it's Nolan for Mark regardless of who pulls it. And if they played any of their final three seasons in Seattle Mariners colors, you get an extra tenth of a point for each season. Mark, we also are going to each pick a team. If we get a player on that team, we get plus or minus a whole half a point. Which team are you going to pick? I am going to go with the Texas Rangers. Rangers. All right. I am going to go with the team that kind of inspired this whole episode. I'm going to go with the Cleveland Guardians. There you go. And it does not matter what Cleveland <laughs> jersey they happen to be wearing. Uh, all right. I got two packs here. Left hand, right hand. Which one would you like to start off this new season? It's going to go. I feel like I've been luckier with the right. So we're going to go right. All right. I'm going to have you go first. So we're going to go ahead and uh, open up this. And uh, the new season is underway. Starting off, uh, it's uh, one of our favorite players from Jamaica. <laughs> and he here is a member of your <laughs> your new favorite team for a million dollars. It is uh, Chili Davis. Ah, yes, Chili. He could hit. He could. He has some power, man. I say we like these cards because we, we get some names that we haven't had before, but this is not one of them. We've had Chili Davis multiple, multiple times, mainly because uh, he had a long career, 19 years in the big leagues. Started in 81 with the Giants and finished in 99 with the Yankees. So... What that means, my friend, is you're going to get nothing out of this uh, in terms of war. <laughs> so uh, far, so good. He does have a nice mustache here, though. Uh, oh, you so you're going to get that. I can't see any stirrups. Uh, he's got his jersey number on his shoes, but nothing uh, nothing on a sweatband or anything like that. So that's going to start you off with a positive, at least, point ten. Uh, we talked about his nickname. Yes, of, I was just going to bring that up. Because <laughs> of, I mean, it's a great story about getting a, a bull cut, and that's uh, that's how he got he, his nickname. He was given a really bad quality bull cut by his father, and they said he looked like he had a chili bowl on his head. Yep, uh, one of two players that we like to talk about from Kingston, Jamaica: Chili Davis and Devon White. So, yes, <clears throat> there you go. Next, we have got, uh, well, here's somebody I do not believe we have ever talked about. Here he is with the Detroit Tigers, Juan Encarnacion. 
Oh, nice. Uh, so Juan, boy, in my uh, in my uh, out of the park baseball, Juan was a member of my team for a couple of years. Had some good seasons for me, but we're not using we're not using those numbers. Uh, Juan Encarnacion played for eleven years in the big leagues. Came up with the Tigers in '97. In 2000, let's see, had a good year. Uh, he never won an award. Never was an All Star. Just a solid player. 289 average, a 330 on base. 14 home runs, 72 RBI, 16 stolen bases. That's nice. Only struck out 90 times. I say only, but, you know, (laughs) 2,000, that's a pretty good total. OPS plus of 97, and that will get you a war of 1.9. I do not see anything on this card that's going to help you out, but a 1.9 is not bad. I'll take it. I mean, compared to the zero, that's a lot better. Yeah, well, I mean, Chili got you a, a tenth of a point. Yeah. All right. So you are at two even. Your next card I'm going to enjoy because it is somebody wearing a Cleveland uniform. It is none other. One of the, one of our favorites here, David Justice. Just ice. David Justice uh, portrayed quite well in the movie Moneyball. So David Justice, of course, came up with Atlanta, spent some time in Oakland, New York, Cleveland. <laughs> See, he kind of made his way around, but had a pretty good career. 14 years in the big leagues. Uh, Let's see, in the year 2000, he split it between Cleveland and the Yankees. Overall, he went uh, 286, not bad. 41 home runs, 118 RBI, very nice. Uh, 377 on base, very nice again. And a 139 OPS plus. All of this together, wow, equals a 5.1. Wow, well done, sir. Yeah, man, he had a good, good year in 2000. Wow, he has a lot of postseason at-bats. Let's see, 398 postseason at-bats in 112 (sighs) games. Wow. 14 career home runs in the postseason. Nothing on this card is going to help you out. It is kind of an interesting card. Uh, He's got an elbow guard on, and this was back, I mean, this is 2000. This is back in the day where you could strap a house to yourself and call it a guard. <laughs> I mean, this thing is bigger than a hockey elbow guard. It is a huge, huge thing. Nothing that's going to help you out there. No uh, no mustache or, or goatee or anything. Sometimes referred to him as uh, Mr. Halle Berry. That was, <laughs> that was, of course, a big thing when he was uh, in Atlanta early in his career. Probably not his favorite chant. Uh, no, probably not. But, but, you know, he did... Uh, he did was married to Halle Berry for a while. See, so. well, I mean, he had even credit for that. Yeah, he was also listed in People's 50 Most Beautiful People uh, oh. issue in 1994. I think well, I, I was. Never made that list. I think I was 51 that year. I think you were. I, not I age, never, not age wise. I think I was number 51. Is what in fact, not only have I not been nominated, they send me a reminder every year that <laughs> they, I have not been nominated. Just you cannot mention this. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Mentioned in the Mitchell report, I think just about everybody is. Uh, we've mentioned this. You know, appeared in an episode of Young and the Restless. Uh, was portrayed in Moneyball. I don't remember who played him. It was. Um, hold on, I know. Was it Royce Stephen Clayton Bishop. or somebody? It was Stephen Bishop. Okay. Well, then it's not right. Royce Clayton played uh, Tejada. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Uh, let's see. I, I at one point had a restraining order by Halle Berry. Uh, next, we have got a special insert card here. It is a Seattle Mariner. Uh, it is a power player. It's kind of a cool looking card until you look at who the player is, and it's A Rod. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, he could have had a good year that year. Oh, I'm guessing he probably did. Let's see. 22 years he ended up playing in the big leagues. He was an all-star in 2000 for the Mariners. You got that going. He was a silver slugger and came in third in the MVP voting. Well, did this not, is good. Yeah, it, he's got a lot of black ink during his career. It's odd, though, not a single mark of black ink in 2000, but still a great year. He hit 316, 41 home runs, 132 RBI, 15 stolen bases, a 420 on base. Very nice. And a 163 OPS plus all of that together is a wow. This was his this was his best year in terms of war of his entire career. Wow. 10.4. Nice. Oh, whoa, he hit double digits in one season. Yeah, 10.4. And he's got eye black on. Wow. So that'll be 10.9. Uh, he was an all-star. So you got that going for you. All-star, and uh, we don't do Silver Slugger, so just an all-star. So that'll be another .5. That'll bring you up to 18.5. Now, I forgot Justice was wearing a Cleveland uniform, so you do minus half. Uh We forgot that. So that'll just wipe out that all-star. That still takes you to 18 even after four cards. Very nice. More than half of that is just from A-Rod. Right. So congratulations there. Like I said, we try to keep it positive here. So do we really want to talk about A-Rod? No, we'll just say, hey, he uh, he had a lot of hits. Yeah, and if, if you are an A-Rod fan, that's great. I have not watched the A-Rod, the Manning brothers, do a broadcast during Monday Night Football on ESPN2, where they kind of do what we do when we watch a game. They just talk about what's going on and tell stories and stuff. I guess he's doing that during the Sunday night games with, uh, I think it's Michael Kay from the Yankees. I have not watched it. I just I don't watch. Yeah, I, I, I have not either. And I don't really want to hear A-Rod talk, but <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering, maybe that would be good. I don't know. All right, let's move on. He's not our favorite guy, so we'll keep going here. Uh, next, we've got a pitcher for the Pirates. It's Mike Williams. Mike Williams. I remember the name. Uh, he's one of those guys, just because, again, I was I was, you know, Working for Atlanta at this point. So these guys came through a lot in the National League. And I remember this guy. Uh, he does have a nice uh, goatee here. So you'll like that. Mike Williams, 12 years in the big leagues. Right-hander. Mainly a, uh, let's see, out of the bullpen the last half of his career for sure. In 2000 with the Bucks, he went 3-4 and four with a 3.5 ERA in 72 games. 72 innings. Exactly. So, again, I'm a cougar, but I'm pretty sure that equals one inning per outing. Appeared to be their closer. He had 24 saves, 71 strikeouts in those 72 innings. Wow. So almost a strikeout in an inning and a 133 ERA plus. All of that equals a war of 1.1. He does have the uh, facial hair, but that's going to be about it for you. So that will be a 1.2. And, and guess what? He's a Hokie. Virginia Tech? Yeah, he's in the Hokie Hall of Fame. Oh, well, congratulations. Oh, this is interesting. So remember the Pedro Martinez brawl uh, in 96 when he was with the Expos? Oh, yeah. Uh, That Martinez threw that pitch because Williams apparently hit somebody earlier. So he was... A way to start things, Michael. He's a fire starter. There you go. All right. Uh, Your next card is somebody I know we have not had. This guy was a gritty, gritty guy. Dirty guy in terms of his uniform is what I'm getting at. And I think he spent most of his career with the Giants. He's pictured here. It's Marvin Bernard. Oh, man. Sure, I remember him. 
We haven't talked about him much, I don't think. I don't think we've ever talked about Marvin Bernard out of Nicaragua. I like to say that. Nicaragua. 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 Uh, Let's see. Nine years in the big leagues. All of it with the Giants. So there you go. Uh, Let's see. He was not on any of the World Series teams, though. 2000, he was the everyday outfielder. He played all three positions. 149 games. He hit 263, 12 home runs, 55 RBI, 342 on base, a 92 OPS plus. And that will equal a 2.1 war. Good news for you. He's got sunglasses and he's got a goatee here. Nice. So that'll get you an extra two tenths of a point. So that'll be a 2.3. No Rangers for you as of yet. No, nothing yet. You are at uh, 21.5. Marvin, currently the Spanish language radio announcer for the Giants. Oh, cool. So you can, I can still hear him. I can tune in right now. There you go. All right. So you are at 21.5. You've got three cards left. Uh, next, we've got another giant, and he has got uh, eye black and uh, and a goatee going on here as well. So that'll help you out. It is Rich Aurelia. Man, Rich Aurelia. Let's see here. All right. So Rich Aurelia, he was a giant most of his 15 years, 12 years in the big leagues, 12, or I'm sorry, 15 years in the big leagues, 12 with the Giants. In the year 2000, he was an all-star once, but that was in 2001 when he led the league in hits with 206. Wow. But in 2000, he hit 271, 20 home runs for Rich Array. Wow, he had 37 the next year. <laughs> no juice there. Uh, let's see, 79 RBI, 339 on base, a 102 OPS plus. He weighed 170 pounds, and uh, he hit... <laughs> 22 20 37 home runs and then it just dropped so Ah, i believe he was a mariner at one point oh yeah let's see here um oh good call he was in 2004 but he played to 2009 so so, yeah not at the end of his career there all of this equates to a war of 2.4 like i said he does have uh, eye black and he has got a goatee so that'll be a plus 2.6 Again, not bad. Yeah, you're up to 24.1, which is a a good score. Richie Aurelia hit the first ever Grand Slam in interleague play off the the Angels. There's some history. In 1997. That's right. I'm sure that ball's in the Hall of Fame. Richie Aurelia appeared uh, on an episode of General Hospital in 2003. Wow, General Hospital. Yeah. Okay then. No, uh, no, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but General Hospital. Get and this one, I think, may be even more impressive to me. He finished second in a pro on pro challenge of guys grocery games in 2015. <laughs> I'm That's not a fantastic, not a big guy Fieri fan, but I am. If Richard really is going to be on his uh, in a show pushing that, yeah, I watch Richard really do some cooking and shopping. <laughs> All right. So next we go to your second to last card. This guy is I know he is now on the uh, Hammers broadcast. I think on the TV side. Here he is with the Phillies. It is Paul Bird. I saw Paul Bird pitch um, when I was in Fenway Park through an absolute gym and he was on my fantasy team. It was pretty cool. I saw a lot of Paul Bird because he was on the uh, he's on Atlanta for a while. But then he was he was in the American or the American. He was in the National League East for a long time. So I saw him a lot. 14 years in the big leagues. Good good career, especially for a right-hander. Yeah. Right. No kidding. <laughs> 99, he was an all-star in Philly. Uh, year 2000, not so much. Two uh, and nine with a 6.5 ERA. Only 83 innings in 17 games. Sounds like he probably got hurt here a bit. 
If we look at his war, it is a minus 1.2. Now, he does have the long socks on, but I there's no arch. I, I see no white, which is yeah. our discerning. A lot of guys were doing that back then. Characteristic, yeah. It's either the, the pajama bottoms or the... Or the, or the high ones there, but uh, nothing there. Now, I do remember there's a great story about Paul Bird, and it happened while I was working there, sitting behind home plate. He had been on the uh, on the Hammers for one year, so he had become friends with, uh, you know, with the, the Hammer players. And then down the road, he had to, the, the Phillies and the, and the Hammers were going at it. They were, you know, Atlanta was obviously top of the division, but the Phillies were trying to challenge them. And they uh, had a couple of uh, shouting matches. And at one point, Paul Bird hit Eddie Perez. <laughs> Greg Maddox, you know, caddy. And uh, I remember uh, there was quite a, uh, a quite a yelling match. And then uh, I think Eddie went hard into second base to break up a double play. And then they had a big brawl. I, something like that. I remember Paul Bird didn't want to do it. Kind of like when, when I think it was, uh, was it Glavin or somebody didn't want to throw at Dale Murphy? But uh, <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Uh, you're at 22.9. You've got one card left. This is a guy who has got a son that has made it into the big leagues. I'm not sure. I think he might be in Korea or Japan right now. But this is Eric Young Sr. Second baseman? Uh, I believe so. Eric Young Sr., who we have had before because his link here is purple. Most of the time, yep, you got it. Played second base. 15 years in the big leagues. Colorado, L.A., Texas, San Diego, Cubs, Milwaukee, San Francisco. In wow. 2000, he was with the Cubs as their everyday second baseman. Not bad. Hit 297. Six home runs, 47 RBI. Wow, 54 stolen bases this year. And only caught seven times. That's really nice. That's that's picking and choosing. That's impressive. Yeah, 367 on base, a 97 OPS plus, and that will equal a 3.3. Wow, you're gonna you're gonna clean up here on his face. He has got <laughs> glasses up on his hat. He's got eye black and he's got a goatee. And on his sweatband, he has his jersey number. <laughs> so <laughs> that is four tenths of a point added on there. So that'll be a plus three point seven. <laughs> Very nice. All the uh, the peripherals coming into play there for you. Yeah, that was helpful. Let me see. And just make sure you didn't have any Rangers on here. Nope, we did not miss your team. That's a pretty good score. Twenty six point six is going to be going to be hard to beat, especially with yes. the way with the way I play this. Game. I'm I'm pretty happy with it to, yeah. to start the season that way. Yeah. All right. Here we go with my pack here. Again, you have got the Rangers, and I have got the Guardians. All right, so I'm going to start off with the Chicago White Sox, who's got a, just a typical year 2000 goatee, exactly the same as I had. It is Greg Norton. Greg Norton, sure. I remember hearing Greg Norton, uh, remember hearing his uh, his name, uh, Hawk Harrelson, saying his name. <laughs> so not great memories, but uh, memories nonetheless. Uh, let's see, Greg Norton, switch hitter, 13 years in the big leagues, five of it with the White Sox. He went on uh, to Colorado, Detroit, Tampa, Seattle. Oh, in his third to last season was with the Mariners. I like that. And then finished <laughs> up his final two in Atlanta. In 2000 with the White Sox, he played half the year, hit 244, six home runs, 28 RBI, and a 78 OPS+. plus. That equals a minus 0.4 war. 
not helping <laughs> me out there, Greg. Uh, he does have the goatee, and he was a member of the Mariner, so that'll be a plus point two. So that will uh, take me down to only a minus point two to start out with. But I I, uh, I started slow too, man. Well, you started in the positive though, but <laughs> it's all a matter of how you look at it. So not a good start. And uh, this is not going to help me either because my next card is a Ranger, which is your team. So I'm just going to go ahead and give me the minus 0.5 right off the bat to knock me down to minus 0.7. It is Lee Stevens. Oh, wow. Have we talked about Lee Stevens? We have not. But I remember Lee Stevens because he was with the Expos when they would come through Atlanta. That's how I remember Lee Stevens. Although he was only there for one year, but that's where I remember him from. Uh, he came up with the California Angels in 1990, spent uh, four years with Texas in 2000. Oh, no, here we go. He spent three years in Montreal. So uh, he is wearing a Rangers uniform, but in 2000, he was actually with Montreal. Uh, let's see. He hit 265, 22 home runs, 75 RBI, and a 101 OPS+. plus. And that will equal a 0.7 war. Uh, let's see. He's going to help me out a bit here. He's got a goatee, as, again, everyone did at this point, and eye black. So yeah. that'll be a, a 0.9 for me in the right direction and get me into the positive. I remember him, actually, when he played for uh, Edmonton. And I was in Tacoma. And he was a, he was a really good hitter, from what I recall. Yeah, it says here he was considered the heir apparent to Wally Joyner. Oh, wow. All right, so I'm through two cards. I am at a positive point two, really rolling now. Uh, next, we have got a uh, special insert card. It's called 21st Century Tops. It is a member of the Florida Marlins. It is Alex Gonzalez. Alex Gonzalez from the Marlins. Let's see. Alex Gonzalez, accent on the A, nicknamed Seabass. I think we've talked about Seabass <laughs> yes, before. Have, yes. <laughs> 2000, the year off his uh, only all-star appearance, he only hit 200. Uh, seven home runs, 42 RBI, a 229 on base. Oh, yuck. And a 40 <laughs> OPS plus. Alex, killing wow. me here. This is not going to be pretty. That is good for a minus 1.9 war. Ouch. And there is nothing on this card that's going to help me out. That's a pretty big negative. Minus 1.9. I am curious how you stick around uh, in the big leagues when you do that. <laughs> uh, further on in his career, in 2010, he posted a career-high 3.5 war. And over his career, he made $34 million. Lifetime 245 average. Lifetime 290 on base. <laughs> That is strange. Struck out 1,168 times, walked 300. <laughs> 81 career home. I mean, he has, he didn't win a gold glove. He I mean, he might have been a good fielder, but that's just, that's not good. Interesting. Played for a long time. So the Bartman game in the uh, game six of 2003 NLCS, the Marlins and the Cubs, who he was on at this point, Gonzalez also committed an error. On a, on a ball hit by Miguel Cabrera in that same inning, which led to yeah. five unearned runs. Right. I, I remember people blaming Bartman for this and, and you know, people, uh, people on the Cubs are saying, look, <laughs> we can go back to a million times where we should have scored runs or we let runs score that shouldn't have, you know, to blame it on this one guy. I mean, it was stupid to stick your hand out like that. I, it, I hate it when people do that, but 
man, I would say that the players had a lot more to do with it than Bartman. Gonzalez here, definitely. <laughs> he, he's thanking Steve Bartman because nobody remembers his heir. Uh, he was also involved in the deal that uh, with the Red Sox that sent Nobar Garcia Parra to Chicago. Oh. So he's part of that. Also appeared as himself in an episode of Ken Finkelman's uh, CBS com- or CBC comedy, The Newsroom, in 1997. Okay. I am not familiar with that. It's a Canadian show, obviously, and... Uh, didn't watch that one. But no, me neither. Moving on, we've got a, speaking of the Cubs, we have got another insert, 20th Century's Best, Triples. It is none other than the one dog, Lance Johnson. <laughs> oh, one of your favorites. I am a big fan of Lance Johnson. You less so, because you couldn't remember his nickname for like yeah, a like year and a half. Yeah, times. Yeah, it was the <clears throat> one dog, of course. Yes. Triples Master. Led the league in triples five out of six years at one point with uh, double figures in five out of or uh, six out of six years. Ended up with 117 career triples. Uh, year 2000 was his final year. He played in New York with the Yankees, only appeared in 18 games, didn't hit a triple. Uh, he did hit 300, though, with only 30 at bats. Probably not going to get me a whole lot here. That is a war of zero which I guess is my highest just about. Uh, he does have a goatee of, cause of course he does. And he does have eye black. So that will at least get me a positive point two and bring my total up to a minus 1.5. We've talked about one dog quite a bit record label, whole bunch of other stuff. So we can, uh, I think we can move on from there next. Oh boy. It's a ranger. <laughs> this is <laughs> I am in danger of being in the negative for this whole uh, whole thing here. It is pitcher for the Rangers, Matt Clark. There was a lot of pitchers for the Rangers back then. Yeah, I, I have no recollection of Matt Clark. And as a matter of fact, it appears that he never made it to the big leagues. Oh, no, he did. 2014. Yeah. Why did it? It did not come up. Came up with minor leagues. Yeah. 2014 is only year. Wait. So this is a card from the year 2000. <laughs> okay, this guy. is not the same guy. <laughs> no way. Uh, okay, I, it came up with Matt Clark. That we're looking for Mark. Oh, that's funny. He just disappeared. Disappeared. I was like, wow, he didn't. He got a card and then didn't appear for ten years. All right, here we go. Matt, Mark Willard Clark. How about that? Ten years in the big leagues. Uh, Two thousand was his final year because, of course, it has to be, and he has to. Really, you know, it wasn't as bad as a second to last year, but it was pretty bad. He went three and five with a 7.98 ERA and a 63 ERA plus. Yeah, 10 years in the big leagues. His final year, he clocks in with a minus 0.7 war. He's on the (laughs) Rangers, so that'll be a minus (laughs) 1.2. Wow, we are in midseason form here. You know, at this point, I'm just rooting for minuses just to see how bad I can get. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, I've got three cards left, and I am really have not much of a chance here. <laughs> Let's see, you ended up with a 26.6. I am at a minus 2.7. <laughs> wow. Jeez. Yeah, All right. You're going to need, uh, like, I always refer to Hack Wilson at this point. I'm, I'm going to need some, I need a Ricky run is what I really need. All right, well, at least this guy played with the A's at some point. I think he's a member or was a member of the Orioles broadcast team. Here he is pictured with the Orioles. It's Mike Bordick. Muse, the favorite player of the Bordick fan club back in Seattle. Did you, uh, was he in the, in the minors when you were around? 
He was. He was. In fact, he used to uh, leave us, me and my buddies, tickets uh, for the A's games when they came through Seattle. He's a good dude. 2000, I mean, I guess good news for me, his only All-Star year. He spent part of it with Baltimore and then ended up with the Mets. Ended up hitting 285 overall, 20 home runs, 80 RBI. Uh, let's see, that's good for a 101 OPS+. Plus. And that is going to be, uh-oh, a 2.6 war. Huh. Plus he was an all-star and he's got eye black. So that will be 3.2. Oh boy, I'm in the positive. You know, that wipes out your negative number. Man. Yeah, I was, I wanted, if I wanted to be in the record book, if I was going to be that bad, I wanted to be like Cincinnati Reds this year bad. But, uh, <laughs> but when he was traded by the Orioles in 2000, he was traded for uh, Mike Kincaid and Melvin Mora. Mike Kincaid, Washington State Cougar. I broadcast his games when he was in school. Wasn't that the guy from the Partridge family? Uh, no, that uh, that's another Mike Kincaid, I believe. Oh. A little bit older. Uh, he and Shirley Jones were driving around in that in the bus at this point. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's Mr. Kincaid. His first name is Mr. That was a good, good, uh, good recall there of that one. Though. <laughs> Can't help it. All right, so I've got two cards left here. I'm at a .5. <clears throat> now, I've got a card that's got three prospects on it. So we'll go through these quickly, only one of which I know made it to the major leagues. So first of all, none of them are Rangers. None of them are uh, Guardians, so that's good. We've got with the Expos, Matt Blank, hmm. which I think his last name might mirror his, his war. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, Matt Blank did make it to the majors. And in the year 2000, he appeared in two different seasons for Montreal. Overall, a two and three mark. In 2000, though, he went 0-1 with a 5.14 ERA, 14 innings pitched out of the bullpen. Only four strikeouts, still a 96 ERA plus and a war of 0.2. Not expecting anything out of that, but that's okay. The next person on this card is pitcher for the White Sox, Kip Wells who I am familiar with. Somehow my my best friend who does not like baseball at all, like at all, I can't even get him to go to a baseball game with me when, when we're together. Somehow he knows who Kip Wells is, <laughs> which is just odd. Uh, I mean, Kip Wells spent 12 years in the big leagues, but still Kip Wells is in no way a household name, even in the Kip Wells household. So very strange. Uh, Kip Wells, one of those guys, name me a team he didn't play for. It'll be a shorter list. In 2000, though, we did come up with the White Sox. He went 6-9 and nine with a 6.02 ERA in 20 starts, 98 innings pitched. Let's see, an 84 ERA plus. Led the league in wild pitches the next year with 14. All of this will equate to a war of minus 0.2. That's more along the there lines of what I was looking for. And then the final uh, prospect on this card is John Sneed with the Blue Jays. Something I needed to say about Kip Wells real quick. Oh, yeah? Career record, uh, one loss record of 69 and 103 for a .401, for a 401 winning percentage. So just wanted to point that out. <laughs> Like I, like I said, Kip Wells, not even the, his favorite pitcher in the Kip Wells household. But you know what? He played in the big leagues for a good amount of time. That's right. That's good for, I'm, I'm jealous. All right. So next, uh, John Sneed. This is considered his rookie card. Uh, typing into baseball reference, John Sneed. I see here he uh, was a rookie in 1884 with the uh, Indianapolis Hoosiers. 
went on to pitch uh, through the 1891 season with the Columbus Solons. Uh, actually, he wasn't a pitcher, and he was an outfielder. So I don't think John Snead ever actually made it to the big leagues. <laughs> so well, I am. Do, do the final math uh, and see who won, man. Well, I've I've still got one card left. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry. I am I'm... at point five. You're at twenty six point six. Don't start playing the the music already. This is not over. No, it's not over because I've got a Mariner. Uh oh, <laughs> I've got a Mariner. Unfortunately, it's Russ Davis. <laughs> Oh, a couple other Mariners would have done you real well right there. Let's see. Russ Davis, eight years in the big leagues. Well, you know, his third to last season, he was still with the Mariners. So I got that going for me. 2000, he spent his final two years in San Francisco. 80 games in the year 2000. He hit 261, nine home runs, 24 RBI, 90 OPS+. plus. That will get me a minus .6 war. Uh-oh. Uh, he does have a goatee, because of course he does, and eye black, so it'll only be minus .4. That leaves me at .1 in the positive. <laughs> so close. I don't think it's ever been done before. .1. <laughs> it hasn't, but I was so close to being either a zero or in the negative, which has not been done before. Now, Russ Davis uh, did hit the first ever home run at Safeco Field in 1999 when that ballpark opened up that's a nice little piece of history yep well we're one game in man you can't start, yeah but i uh, mean you clobbered me it was 0. <laughs> 0.1 to 26.6 this is not this is yeah. not a close one well i like to point out every you know almost every week this is a game of pure skill it really so. is and i suck i am not good <laughs> at it but all right so that's going to wrap up this episode of wax packs heroes it's also going to wrap up this uh, entire episode yeah, I was a little, I was, I was complaining a bit, but uh, I wanted to get it out. I wanted to get it all out so we can be positive the rest of the year. But uh, if you cannot get enough of our positivity, our social media is always positive. You can find us at 2 Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube. It's all in the show notes. We also have an email address that is in the show notes, but Mark is going to spell it out explicitly for you. Just the first part, TWO Strike Noise at gmail.com so just two strike noise at gmail.com easy to remember send us an email um we're probably going to respond back unless you're really mean about uh, jeff's opinions actually we'll respond back then anyway no that'll just trigger me and then you for sure you'll get a response but i'll uh, i'll i will make sure to go through the emails before <laughs> Jeff sees yeah, it. if you could just go through there and yeah just pick out the good ones but uh, all right we appreciate everybody tuning in as always and we will see you next week on another episode of two strike noise thank you god bless you have a great day everybody i think i'm cute i know i'm sexy i've got the looks the drives are going wild i've got the mood that really move them. i said chill up and down their spine I'm just a sexy boy I'm not your boy toy I'm just a sexy boy I'm not your boy toy I make them hot I make them shiver Their knees get weak Whenever I'm around They see me walk I make them feel like they're on cloud nine. I'm just a sexy boy. I'm not your boy toy. I'm just a sexy boy. I'm not your boy toy. 
your heart out, girls. Hands off the merchandise.